from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I, I trick the Taliban. I told them that let me go home and visit my parents one more time and then I will come back. I will return. I promise. My concern and my worries is my family because they're stuck in Kabul. They are wanted by the Taliban because of your work. He rescued me and he supported me all the time and he put his life in danger just because of me. How often do you get to talk to them? Uh, I talk to them once in a day or after two days. I'm Emily Woodbury. One year ago this month, Zamzam Asafi was at the international airport in Kabul, Afghanistan, with a ticket for an afternoon flight. Taliban fighters encircled the city, and Zamzam thought there was a chance her plane might not take off. Her flight was delayed, but her plane did eventually take off. Zamzam cried with joy. After a stop in Doha, she landed in St. Louis and then made her way to St. Peter's, where she lives with former U.S. Navy Lieutenant Alan Nash and his family. The two met in Afghanistan because of Zamzama's work as a translator for U.S.-backed forces. That work earned her a special immigrant visa to come to the United States. Zamzama, who goes by Zizi, joined this show shortly after she arrived in the U.S. And now, one year later, she joins us again. She spoke yesterday with producer Alex Hoyer. Zizi, welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you so much. It was last August 15th that your plane took off from Kabul. What's going through your mind now as we approach this one-year anniversary? Uh, This year was a great year for me. This year, I proved those people who capture me, who give me hard time, I proved them wrong. I proved their dark ideologies, and I prove that women can do anything, and women can chase their dreams, and women can do what they want to be, and women can have independency, and women can get education. I prove that to the world. You've been taking classes at St. Charles Community College. You were educated in Afghanistan as well, and your work as a woman in Afghanistan as a translator was was fairly rare then. What Briefly describe what you did. Um, working as a translator, getting education in Afghanistan was not easy. It was a very difficult process, especially being a woman in Afghanistan. Uh, but I, I'm very glad and I truly admire my father for supporting me and stood up strongly beside me and support me for who, support me for my dreams, for who I am right now. And I truly appreciate the Lieutenant Colonel Aaron Thomas who supported me and who rescued me at the first place that I became a very commit, committed and loyal translator for the youth troops in Afghanistan. And it was not an easy job. It was a very difficult job of being as a woman and be a translator for the youth troops. And that was the thing that my family became the main target of the Taliban and giving them a hard time. Even our society and community were giving a hard time and difficulties to my family because 
what I was doing as a translator, it was not a normal job. And they said she is doing this against the culture, against the religion. It's not normal. And she is not a good girl. And she is disrespecting the culture, disrespecting the religion. But I never gives up. I had the support of my family. They were supporting me for doing that and getting my education beside that. And right now I'm here. It was your dream of education that got you captured by the Taliban when when you were at school one day. And you mentioned Aaron Thomas, who rescued you. Describe how you escaped uh, from the Taliban. Uh, I was 15 years old. I was learning English language as, at school with my brother. And one day I took off the class and we were going back home. I got kidnapped by the Taliban, and Taliban took us to the mountain, to the remote side of Afghanistan. And there was no power of government that was out of the control of the government, and nobody were able to get me uh, or help me to get me out of the Taliban hands. But I, I tricked the Taliban, and I told them that let me go home and visit my parents one more time, and then I will come back. I will return, I promise. But in my head, I was saying I will never, ever come back here because uh, they threw away my books on the river, and they said, oh, why you were getting education? And especially this is the infidel language. But I told them because I thought anyways they will kill me and they will cut my head. I told them that you throw my book away, but you cannot get it away from my mind. I will be educated woman and I want to be. And that made them super mad. They sexually abused me and they beat me up. They tortured me very badly. There was no hope for my life. But there was an agreement between the, between the elders of the Taliban and the elders of our village and the government that let her come home. And my father signed that agreement that if she is agreed to return back to the Taliban, if she is happy to get married with the commander of the Taliban, that's her decision. I will support her. But if she is not agree, if she doesn't want to go back to the Taliban, I will never, ever force her to go back to the Taliban. I will support her for who she wants to become in the future. And that was the agreement. And this is how I escaped from the Taliban after four days. You escaped, and then a couple of days later, you met Aaron Thomas. Earlier this year, you had the chance to visit him in Hawaii. Tell me about that. Oh, my gosh. That was such an exciting and wonderful trip, going to Hawaii and visit that cardinal, because he became a member of my family. He is like my big brother, and uh, he is... The one that, that I truly admire him for his support, for his financial support, that the way that he supported me and admired me and ed- encouraged me when I lost my father. And uh, in 2013, when I had the press conference, he was the only one person who contacted me from the U.S. and supported me. And I only had his support and my father's support. But this year... I was very happy to visit him because I had no hope for that to visit him again, ever. But that was a dream. 
I couldn't believe it that I'm visiting him again. Tell me what that was like. So you you get to Hawaii. What what was the fr- what was it like seeing him? Uh, oh my gosh! Like I I have no words like how to describe that because it was very exciting to me when I saw him in the airport with the uniform because the first time that I was his linguist, he was a captain, and again he was visiting me. He wore the uniform and he was like. Lieutenant Colonel and come to the airport with the with the uniform. He wasn't changed a lot, but when I saw him, like I couldn't stop yelling and shouting. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm super excited to see you again." Uh, I was very very happy to see him again and share my opinion and ideas with him, and he guided me in a very good path. And still he is supporting me. He is encouraging me. And he is always there for me to give me good advice and ideas to what to do in my future. Uh, all throughout your happiness, the happiness of visiting uh, him in Hawaii, uh, the happiness you experienced taking off from the airport in Kabul, there's also mixed emotions because your family is still in Afghanistan, your mother, your three sisters, and your brother. What is life like for them now? Uh, life is very dangerous for them in Afghanistan, and my main concern is my family in Afghanistan. I have a very peaceful and happy life here, but my concern and my worries is my family because they're stuck in Kabul and situation is not safe there for them. And they are wanted by the Taliban because of because of your work. Yes, yes. And because my my family was the only one uh, that they support me for my job to be a good translator for the youth troops and to support them in a good way and to com- to make them accomplish in Afghanistan. My family jeopardized and risked their life, especially my brother, because it is not normal for, for an Afghan man to support his sister to be a translator. But my brave brother, I appreciate him that he supported me for this and he rescued uh, and he rescued me, and he supported me all the time, and he put his life in danger just because of me. How often do you get to talk to them? Uh, I talk to them once in a day or after two days. Mm-hmm. Are they allowed to go in public? What do they do? Uh, as I became, and as I came from a very educated family, my sisters, my brother, they're very educated. They cannot leave the house because Taliban doesn't like the educated people and they're giving a hard time to educated people. So my brother, especially who supported me for my job, he cannot leave Uh, He could not leave the house at all, and especially my sisters, that they were nurses and doctors. They also cannot leave the house. They stuck at home. And my married sister and her husband, they are there to provide food and water and everything for my family, what they need. Afghanistan, uh, one year after uh, the Taliban took over, is objectively a worse place for women now uh, in terms of freedom. And I know that this is an especially important issue for you and what you're advocating for right now. You've talked to high school and college students. Talk talk a little bit about your advocacy. Um, as I want to be a very good advocate for women rights, especially for Afghan women who doesn't have voice, who can't speak for themselves, for their right. And as Taliban took the control of entire country, it's been a year, and they closed the school doors in front of women, in front of Afghan women. They cannot go to school. 
and especially it's very difficult for those women who got uh, their achievement like they become doctors engineers they built a very good career by the presence of the used troops in Afghanistan but right now everything is gone and Afghanistan went back to 20 years ago how it was everything is closed in front of women so women cannot work women cannot go to school women cannot uh, achieve their goals women cannot follow and follow their dreams. A woman cannot do what they want to be. A woman doesn't have freedom. A woman doesn't have liberty. Women need that in Afghanistan. But right now, everything is gone. When you were on this show last, you talked about wanting to write a book about your experience and about your advocacy of women's rights and women's freedom. Uh, and I understand that you've completed a manuscript now and, and are looking for a publisher. Uh, what, what, what was it like to write uh, this book? Uh, writing my book is my one-year achievement in the United States. And as I want to be a very good advocate and a motivational public speaker uh, for, for the world, for everyone uh, who needs help. And I want to give a very meaningful message to everyone that not to give up in life because there's always an obstacle in your way when you, wa- when you want to and when you are willing to follow you and chase your dreams. But there is an obstacle and you say, okay, it's hard for me not to do it because there is an obstacle for me. There is a barrier for me, but I want the people never gives up. And I wrote my book about um, women's right, an Afghan women's right in Afghanistan and about the presence of youth troops in Afghanistan, that how good opportunities we had in Afghanistan, how a women's built very good careers in Afghanistan. Women became an engineer, women became a reporter, women became uh, doctors, nurses, and they had freedom. But uh, since the U.S. troops pull out from Afghanistan, everything is gone. So I wrote my book about the U.S. mission in Afghanistan and about the great opportunities that we had over there and about overall about the, uh, about the women's right in Afghanistan. What are your dreams now? You talked about your dreams of coming to the United States. You're here. You've been here for a year now. What are your dreams now going forward? Uh, my dreams are going forward that I submitted my application to University of Missouri to get my master's degree in journalism, and I'm very excited for that. And that was a dream that I fought 10 years for that, for education, for liberty, and for going to school with no, with no fear, with no worries that, okay, if I go to class, if I get off the class, then Taliban will attack me. I don't have that fear anymore. I can go to the class with the peace of mind, with the safety, and I feel safe. That's the most important thing. And I'm really appreciative of the United States that offer me very good opportunities. And I can, and I have access to all good opportunities, to the education that I can get my education, I can follow and I can chase my dreams, I can achieve my goals. What do you do for fun? Well, you've been here a year now, you've, you've had a chance to um, experience what it's like to live here. What, what do you enjoy? I truly enjoy driving here because that's another whole different world. 
<laughs> you you got your driver's license soon after you arrived. Yes, I got my driver's license, and that's the most fun thing and my most favorite thing in the United States because writing a book is was not easy for me, especially writing my life story that what I have been through was not easy. It was very difficult, and I was I couldn't I couldn't stop my tears when I was writing that because. Uh, there was so much emotions and, and hurt and pain in that story. And when I needed a break, I was going for a drive. And still, when I need a break from something, from studying, from reading a book, I go for a drive. I love driving here. You just drive. Drive anywhere or drive to a particular place? Uh, I drive to the college. As I mentioned that before, too, that I feel uh, I feel happy when I just go and drive to the college, just to be in that atmosphere. And I love that area. I love going to school. I love being in that educated and academic area. Mm-hmm. I Like every day I'm driving to St. Charles Community College, even I don't have classes, even I don't have lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zizi, it's been a joy to get to know you over this past year. And um, thank you so much for being here today. And no problem, it's my pleasure. Zamzam Asafi is an Afghan refugee living in St. Peter's. She worked as a translator for U.S. forces in Afghanistan, and she's in the U.S. with a special immigrant visa. The one-year anniversary of her escape from Afghanistan is this Monday. This episode was produced by Alex Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.